Alrighty, well, let's jump into the word. Um, like I said, we're going to have child dedications right after the message. And I want to just give a quick word today. It's, it's more of a pastoral word. Uh, it's more of a word to encourage, to challenge, uh, to steward your walk as a believer. Uh, but let's start here in Exodus 3.6. Exodus 3.6. And I actually want to read a little bit more uh, of the context It says this in Exodus 3, verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing. It's holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So what I want to highlight specifically from this passage, and I think a lot of us miss, is the fact that God is generationally minded. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Jacob, of Isaac, of Abraham. I am the God of your ancestors. I'm the God of your grandparents, of your great-grandparents. I'm going to be the God of your children, of your grandchildren. And it's important to know that in this crazy encounter that Moses has at the burning bush, God reveals that he is a generationally minded God. And so today, this is for all the young people in the room. That's you, shout out. Wow, come on, guys. For all the young people in the room, what you do today matters in your children's tomorrow. This is for all the older people in the room. That's you, shout out. Wow, they just swipe all of us. For all the older people in the room, even if your children are no longer under your roof, he's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and what you do today still trickles down. This is also for those that don't have kids. If you believe in the Great Commission, then you're called to disciple. You you can have spiritual children, that what you do today matters in their tomorrow. So I want to give a word today called building a spiritual legacy. Building spiritual legacy. Proverbs 13, 22, it says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. What kind of person? I didn't hear you. What kind of person? A good person. A good person leaves an inheritance, not just for their children, but for their children's children. That a legacy can be defined as this, as something handed down from one generation to the next. That legacy focus on what will endure. Jesus says this, I want you to have fruit and fruit that last. I want you to bear fruit in your life that won't just die out in your generation, but fruit that will last. Because legacy focus on what will endure, right? It's about passing on things of lasting value to those who will live on after us. That legacy involves living intentionally, I love that, living intentionally and aiming to build into the next generations for their success. But here's the thing, whether you intentionally think about it or not, you are storing up an inheritance for the next generation. Whether good, whether bad, you will leave a legacy that your children, your grandchildren, 
the people that you do life with, you're leaving a legacy that they will inherit, whether good or bad. You know, if you've ever been to a doctor there, they always ask you guys this question. They do this intake. The doctor asks, what disease did grandma have? What disease did your great-grandma have? What disease did your mom have? You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? They do this intake because genetically you can inherit sickness. There is literally something in our genetic code that connects you to the generations to come. Now, beyond genetics, I want you to hear this. Think about the mindsets, habits, and behaviors that we're modeled and grew up in that get passed down. Well, because grandma was stressed, my, my, my mother, all she learned was how to control because that's what was modeled to me. Well, now when I'm struggling, my, my first thing is to want to control well, because grandpa was addicted. My, my dad learned how to escape through addiction. And because that was what I was primarily shown, addiction becomes easy to fall into. Right? If you're walking in unforgiveness and offense, that becomes a part of your legacy. Man, if you're walking in bitterness because the church didn't pursue you, you're leaving that legacy. That if you're living in hidden sin and not being willing to invite others in, that becomes a part of your legacy. So I want to ask you guys this question. Are you aware of the legacy that you're building? I'm asking this side of the room. Are you aware of the legacy that you are building. We see this in Genesis 12. Abraham has this not very good moment. And he's in Egypt and he essentially lies about his wife. And it says this in Genesis 12, 13 to 14. So please tell them you're my sister. This is him talking to his wife. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. Not a good move, right? He goes and he's like, okay, babe, I need you to lie. Tell everyone you're my sister. Because if everyone thinks that you're my wife, they're going to want to kill me to, to take you. So this is what happens. Now what's interesting, if you keep reading on, go to Genesis 26 verse 7. Isaac, I don't know if you knew this, Isaac does the same thing. <laughs> when the men who lived there, they asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say, she is my wife, he thought. They'll kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. I heard someone say this one time, that the sin we do in moderation our children will do in excess. And so when you read these two stories, Abraham at least had the decency to ask his wife. He's like, would you please? <laughs> would you please lie that you're my sister? Now when you see Isaac, he's straight up, this is my sister, right? But oftentimes the sin that you do in moderation, it models to, is even if you're in leadership, not even if you're a parent, it models, oh, this is okay, and there's someone that is in a level of authority or that's supposed to be leading, that means I can do it even more. Right, we see here that Isaac is lying just as his father did over the very same situation. They both gave up honesty and integrity to save their own lives at the risk of their wives. 
that one man's sin carried on to another generation. Now, we don't know if Isaac necessarily knew about this situation. We don't know. That either way, the doors that we leave open in our life, listen, the enemy loves to keep those doors open in your children's lives. But can I give you guys some good news? Romans 5.19 says this, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of one other person, which is Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. That this is the powerful thing that if you've received Jesus in the room, you are inheritors of Jesus' legacy. That the sealing of his life becomes the foundation that we build ours and our children's off of. That just as generational sin can come through your bloodline, generational sin was also canceled by the blood of another. And so right now, guys, you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to write a different story, to build a different inheritance and to pass down a different legacy. What you do today matters. What you do today matters. The doors that you leave open for the enemy matters. The behaviors that you never deal with, the mindsets, every single one of them becomes a part of your legacy. So what kind of legacy then should we pass down? What kind of legacy should we then pass down? There's six things that I want to highlight. The first is this, a legacy of worship. We need to pass down a legacy of worship. Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7 says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Listen to this. Verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. For a lot of us, we've grown up maybe with a legacy that God is distant, that God is cold, that God is unapproachable, that maybe God isn't someone worth worshiping. And so when we create a legacy of worship, it changes that trajectory. Man, one of the most beautiful things that I see is when I see fathers and I see people in their 50s just going after the Lord in worship. It's one of the most beautiful things. This is actually, I feel like it's very rare. Thankfully, not a breakthrough. Amen. But it's very rare. And think about even your own life. How powerful would it have been to see your mother undignified before the Lord? To see your father, when he's stressed and worried, he's, man, I'm going to go worship the Lord right now. I'm going to press in. I'm going to connect to the Lord. How powerful would that be? So building a legacy of worship. The next one, you ready for this? Building a legacy of vulnerability. Building a legacy of vulnerability. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 19, or 12, 9 to 10. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Guys, if you want to break a legacy of disconnection, of isolation, of hiddenness, build a legacy of vulnerability. Build a legacy of vulnerability. The next one is building a legacy of generosity. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. That if you want to break a legacy of living in a poverty mindset or breaking a legacy of selfishness and independence from God, then build a legacy of generosity. That's not just with your finances. That's the way you serve people. That's the way you're willing to have your life be inconvenienced for the sake of another. Imagine that being modeled to your children. Build a legacy of generosity. The fourth one is building a legacy of dependency. John 15 verse 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, I in you, and you will bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you want to break a legacy of fear, of anxiety, and of shame, build a legacy of dependency. Build a legacy that says, man, Jesus is the one when I'm weak that I draw to. Instead of lashing out, spilling out unprocessed pain, I go to the Lord. Create a legacy of dependency. The fifth one is this but a legacy of obedience. Psalm 119, verse 60, I love this. It says, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Guys, if you want to break a legacy of complacency, if you never saw your parents step into their full calling, Build a legacy of obedience. How powerful would that be? That you build a legacy that has been faithful in obedience, that now you've built this, you've built this inheritance for your children. And say, oh, yeah, when we're financially struggling, I know what to do. Oh, when, when, when God's speaking to me to do something I don't want to do, well, I saw mom and dad do that all the time. You're building an inheritance for your children. Here's the last one that we're going to end on, is build a legacy of transformation. Build a legacy of transformation. 
Romans 12 verse 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can we get someone to send the, the kids back over? Guys, if you want to break a legacy of brokenness and addiction and bondage, build a legacy of transformation. Build a legacy of transformation. I want you to think about this, that the things you have inherited in your life are a result of the patterns that were modeled to you. The way you respond to stress, the way you respond when you're struggling financially, the, the way you respond when you feel hurt, it's because you inherited patterns. Let me break this down for you. If your parent wasn't vulnerable, then it's hard for you to be vulnerable. And because it's hard for you to be vulnerable, it's hard for you to invite people into your pain because you can't invite people into your pain. You get stuck in a cycle of sin and it continues and continues and continues. Right, because your ceiling as a parent becomes the floor that your children build their lives on. That becomes their starting point. What you've modeled your behaviors, how you think, that now becomes the ceiling that your children start to build their life on. And so as we end, the Lord wants to renew godly patterns in your life. Patterns that lead to freedom, that lead to wholeness, and that lead to transformation. I want to end by saying this thing. That the best gift, if you didn't write anything down, I want you to write this down. The best gift you can ever give your children, you ready for this, is a transformed life. The best gift you can ever give your children is a transformed life, is a renewed mind, is a life that has walked through the process to learn how to walk with Jesus through the hard times. And so I wanna pray before we transition. I wanna pray that the Lord will just deposit something in you today that would become aware of the legacy that you're building, that would become aware that what you do today matters in your children's tomorrow. What you don't deal with today, listen, what you don't deal with today matters in your children's tomorrow. Amen? All right. So, Father, we just thank you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Would you come and would you move? Would you allow us to see the legacy that you want to build in our lives? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that you would reveal the patterns that were modeled to us. The patterns that you want to renew. 
that the patterns that have kept you bound, we will declare that those patterns will not continue. Those cycles that have kept you bound, we just declare right now in Jesus' name, those cycles will not continue. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that has restored, that has made all things new. And Holy Spirit, would you lead us to renew our minds to what you say so that we can walk in freedom and build a legacy of wholeness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good. We'll invite Diana up. Diana is our children's director. We love, we love, we love Diana. Diana's going to share our heart for child dedications, and then we're going to jump into it. Hello all. Can I just do a quick uh, shout out to the ones who've worked with kids all summer? Yes, Victoria. <laughs> Even Leslie Gregg helped out. Is Jalea here? No, Jalea? Aaron? Kennedy? Nobody. Okay, anyway, they were <laughs> they're all amazing and, and we appreciate them. Um, so when Pastor Andrew asked me to share the heart of dedication, the first thing that I thought of was just something very simple in that I think we all um, have experienced someone singing a song and saying, you know, I dedicate this to my mom. Or we read poetry and in the front it says, this is dedicated to my husband or my wife. Uh, we read a book and the front of the book has a dedication to our children. Obviously, they're dedicating the, the things that they love, the things they put their heart into, to someone they love, to someone who has the most important place in their life, someone who means the most in their life. So Psalm uh, 27, set, 127, 127 says, Children are a gift from God, and they're a reward and a heritage. So it only makes sense that who are we going to dedicate our children to? but the one that we love the most, the one that gives us life, the one that's the center of our life. So that's the simple heart of it. Um, and and in, in, the, in the same way, it, it's a reciprocal. We're dedicating books, poetry, stories. We dedicate our son. Our son is a, a song to us. Our daughter is a poem. They're all stories and we dedicate them to the one we love and the one we know who's going to love them the most, have an everlasting love with a love that goes beyond anything that a parent or a grandparent or a friend can ever love. So that's, that's the heart of it. And then the outworkings, just briefly, there's a scripture that, a short scripture, <laughs> called the Shema. It's in, uh, it's in Deuteronomy. And it's called the Shema because it starts with hear, O Israel. So Shema means hear, to hear in, in Hebrew. And Hebrew I love because 
it's just so different from English. So the, the understanding of that word is not only to listen, to heed to, but to take action. So Moses is saying here, Hear, O Israel, our God is one, the only one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. So we don't just teach them. We imprint. Talk about them. How do we do that? We share. It's, it's a normal, everyday thing. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So this isn't anything terribly fancy. <laughs> this is a commitment. The dedication is committing, setting apart, uh, dedicating our children, our most precious gift from God. And we're, and we're committing to just talk about God. Talk about his wonders, his grace, his goodness, his miracles, his kindness. And, and we envelop those, those children as the families are committing to, to an atmosphere where they're going to experience and encounter the living God. So that's, my, that's the dedication.